KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is the rundown. I'm Jay Scott Smith, along with Brian Seltzer and Sabrina Boyd Circa. Today is January 27th, 2022, and every year since 2005, January 27th has been acknowledged internationally as Holocaust Remembrance Day. It's a day where it's very important that we honor those who lost their lives, the six million people who lost their lives as well as the survivors. And we also take time to educate ourselves as well as younger generations about this horrific atrocity that has been so impactful on U.S. history and world history. Over six million victims. Think about that number, six million victims. It's hard to comprehend that number. It's hard to comprehend that the Holocaust happened, but increasingly, as important as it is for us to understand what happened in the Holocaust, it's also critical that we understand why it happened and how it happened. It's such an important thing, obviously, to the large Jewish community here in Philadelphia, but one of the things that they're talking about a lot this year is that it wasn't just Jewish people. There's a specific focus in the memorials and events that are going on this year in Philadelphia on the LGBTQ community and how they were also persecuted as part of the Holocaust. It didn't just affect Jewish people, and we all need to learn about it to make sure that these things don't happen again, because frighteningly, some things are pointing in a similar direction. Those of us who ignore history are doomed to repeat it. We will talk about Holocaust Remembrance Day with KYW News Radio's Hadas Kuznet. She'll tell us more about that coming up a little bit later on in this episode. But first, it's time to get a rundown of today's headlines. And we start our headlines today with a plan to fill the building that used to be the Boyd Theater. And it's caused some debate, and the Star Restaurant Group is making it into a restaurant themed around sports betting because it is 2022 and everything has to do with some form of sports betting these days. Listen, I don't think I can be happy about this. This is a building that holds my family's name, was formerly a theater, and it's going to become a sports betting restaurant. Come on, something is wrong with that. This site has been a location of contention in the city for quite some time as far as what will its fate be in the hands of developers. I think the last time a real serious proposal came along for the Boyd Theater, which is on the 1900 block, right around 19th and Chestnut, might have been in 2015. And at that point in time, I believe there were calls for uh, like 20-story residential tower. It seemed like it was mostly residentially focused. Stephen Starr obviously has had success with his projects here and now far, far away from here. Call me intrigued. (laughs) I'm not saying no. I don't know if I'm saying yes, but maybe this could be a guy who appreciates, who I think Stephen Starr does appreciate the history of the buildings that he inherits. I think there's a track record for that. So I'm intrigued to see how this plays out. To be clear, I don't actually have any relation to the Boyd Theater. Um, and I, yeah, I have mixed feelings too. I don't know. I don't love the idea of sports betting in general or gambling in general, but it could be cool. I know that there were a lot of discussions in the the initial zoning meeting concerns about traffic and security going through that neighborhood. Basically, the idea that, you know, they have all these regulations that are set up for a restaurant and this is being 
kind of build as a restaurant, but it's more than that when there's gambling involved. But the zoning was approved, so I guess we will see how it all shakes out. Let's give you an opportunity to get a really nice dinner in, and also if you want to get action on the on the Sixers game, go for it. It's just like that's how that's how that's the direction we're heading these days. I'm not a big sports better. Gambling for me has always been kind of if I go to a casino, I'm I'm getting out of there if I win thirty or forty dollars. So <laughs> I'm probably not the Same. guy that's that's going to be. But there are some people, especially with the Super Bowl coming up and NBA season and everything else, a restaurant like that will do big money. And hopefully it'll at least be good food for those of us who aren't into the uh, betting part. With Steven Starr, I'm sure it will be. And it's funny that you bring up food because two Philadelphia celebrity chefs are holding a virtual cooking demo as a part of the Jewish Family and Children's Services Nourishing Community event, raising money for hunger relief. This is really interesting to me. So we are going to have... Yehuda Seichel, the owner of the restaurant Huda in Center City, alongside Frank E. Olivieri, the owner of Pat's King of Steaks. So that's a, you know, a culture mashup right there. Our wonderful Hadass Kuznets, I think we're talking about a lot of Hadass stories today, and she's also going to join us later on. Um, but she talked with Paya Eisenberg of JFCS about some of the services that they provide and what this fundraising will go towards. We provide supermarket gift cards. We also provide delivery weekly to people who are homebound and also provide them with recipes. They also supply culturally appropriate food. So for our Holocaust survivors, many of whom are from the former Soviet Union, we work with a supermarket net cost that provides groceries that are very specific to their culture. So we're talking about Holocaust Remembrance Day today. Hadass has been talking a lot about places that provide this culturally appropriate food and how important food can be to your culture, especially if you're displaced. So I think that's that's nothing but a good thing. I will say I am mighty intrigued about this collaboration, this cooking demonstration. Brisket and matzo ball, that is a winning <laughs> combination. You cannot go wrong. The heartiness of matzo ball soup with some nice, flavorful briskets. <laughs> It's such an interesting combination. Yeah, we should note this is going to happen over Zoom on February 1st. So uh, if you're interested, kywnewsradio.com, you can find Hadassah's story, find the link to sign up. And it's a uh, suggested donation. They have a menu of donation amounts that you can choose where it kind of tells you how much if you're giving $50 – this is what it will provide if you're giving up to, I think, like 3600 is the highest menu item. So if you have that kind of money, I say definitely uh, give it to a good cause like this one. And of course, we will have more on this and everything else you've heard on our headlines on our website, kwnewsradio.com. And one other note here. A lot lately, unfortunately, we've been talking about on KYW News Radio and here on The Rundown and on, on our other KYW News Radio podcast the increase in anti-Semitic sentiment. Yeah, guys, in light of this stuff, I wanted to reach out to one of the leaders of the Jewish community here in Philadelphia. Her name is Jill Maderer. She's the senior rabbi at Road of Shalom. That congregation is on North Broad Street, right between Mount Vernon and Green Street. The synagogue is one of the oldest synagogues in the Western Hemisphere. And one of the first things I asked her when we spoke earlier this week was just how concerning is it to see increased instances of anti-Semitism in the news. I'm very concerned by the events we've seen in the news. I'm very concerned when Jews or any people of faith need to have courage in order to attend their house of worship, to gather and to pray. 
And I'm also grateful to be in a community where we understand, first of all, that we need to have that courage, that that will not stop us. We will stand proudly as Jews. I'm also grateful to be in a community where we understand we are not the only group suffering. There are a lot of vulnerable groups in our society, in our country, and there are many groups who are suffering. And our job, I think, is to stand proudly as Jews and also to be in solidarity with other groups who suffer. I'm grateful that after the terrifying day of the hostage incident in Colleyville, Texas, we heard from interfaith partners from all different faiths, their support, their solidarity. And it's an important challenge, I think, to us as a Jewish community that when other groups suffer, they should hear from us. They should hear from our solidarity as well. Of course, guys, anti-Semitism, that is something that pertains to religion and Judaism. But I think a lot of the stuff that Jill was talking about there has universal themes where the sad point, as she mentioned, it's not just Jewish people these days who uh, are the subject of hate, as we well know, unfortunately. And I think that there were a lot of themes that she talked about that could be applied that is a nice universal message to try and figure out how to work through some of these things. I will never be able to comprehend the level of hate people can have in their hearts for other people who are just somehow a little bit different from them. So the great burden, guys, of whether it's civic leaders or religious leaders, if you are a leader of a group that has been subjected to persecution or hate directed your way, is not only how do you try and deal with this yourself, but reconcile it for a large group of people who look up to you, who seek wisdom and guidance and consult from you. And I asked Jill, how does she square anti-Semitism these days and why are we seeing more of it? And does it cause you to have more strength these days to be Jewish? There are some scholars who will tell us there's an increase in anti-Semitism. There are others who will say there's just an increase in our awareness of anti-Semitism. And so I'm not sure whether it requires more courage today to be Jewish. And I'm not sure whether it requires more courage today to be different. But either way, I think this is, this is our obligation to do our best to stand up to hate, to be true to who we are, to be in solidarity with one another, and to not allow hate to stop us from living our lives. Can we all understand where we're coming from? That's, I think, a big part of what Jill is talking about here. Can we just understand each other? I know that sounds hippie-ish, but it's very true, you know? Yeah, Talking to and getting to know and understand people who are in different groups from you is so important. I think so much of this comes from just like lack of exposure, right? So having interfaith, having people intermingle from different cultures is hopefully going to go a long way. I hate that we've kind of gotten to this point, but at the same time, as Brian has said, there is an opportunity for somewhat hope. I know it's not exactly a strategy, but it certainly is a foundation. Something that I brought up with Jill towards the end of our conversation was, how do we take something like International Holocaust Remembrance Day? And yes, does it apply in many ways to Jewish people? Of course it does. But how do we take some studies within the Jewish religion, in her view, that other people could perhaps find in their own faith or in whatever they believe, finding tools within whatever it is you believe in to try and eradicate hate from our world? 
the mitzvah, the commandment that most frequently is taught in the text of Torah is to love the stranger. And I think that that text reminds us not only of this Jewish principle to love the stranger, but I think the text reminds us, the frequency of the text reminds us that it's challenging. We would not have needed it to be listed 36 times if loving the stranger were not a challenge. And I think all people need help, need urging, need some kind of encouragement to remember to love the other, love the stranger, love the the difference in this world that sometimes we might otherwise fear. But if we bring intention, we can instead bring love. And real quick, just to put stuff into context, Torah is like the Bible that Jewish people study and follow and read. Mitzvahs are commandments. Sometimes they're interpreted as good deeds. But yeah, the one that appears the most in the Torah, the holy book for the Jewish people, 36 times is love the stranger, which I should have known. I did not. But love Jill made her from Road of Shalom informing me to that. And after this quick break, we're going to get a little deeper into what International Holocaust Remembrance Day is and what the city of Philadelphia is doing this year with KYW News Radio's Hadass Kuznets. Keep it right here. I'm Jay Scott Smith, along with Sabrina Boyd, Circa, and Brian Seltzer. And you're listening to The Rundown. Welcome back to The Rundown. I'm Jay Scott Smith here with Brian Seltzer and Sabrina Boyd, Circa. And today is Holocaust Remembrance Day, an important international day of memorial, particularly to the Jewish community and such places such as Philadelphia and South Jersey. It means so much to so many people. And we're joined today by KWW News Radio's reporter, Hadas Kuznets. Hadas, good to have you back with us on The Rundown. Good to see you, Jay. So, Hadas, break it down for us. What is the purpose of Holocaust Remembrance Day? What makes this day so important for people who may not get it? Well, it's a commemoration of probably the biggest atrocity of the 20th century. And this is a, a commemorative holiday to remember uh, not only the 6 million Jews, but all of the people that were killed um, by the Nazis during the period of the Holocaust. It is not just a holiday to be commemorated by Jewish people. It's a holiday to be commemorated by all people, uh, because the point of International Holocaust Remembrance Day is to prevent genocide in the future and to promote Holocaust education. And that means Holocaust education for all. Today being January 27th, what is the significance of this particular date? Well, Jay, January 27th is an historical date. Uh, January 27th, 1945 was the date that the Soviet army liberated Auschwitz-Birkenau. And for those people that don't know, that was a one of the work camps. That was one a concentration camp people were brought there. They were, it was kind of a central location where people were worked to death and at Auschwitz were murdered and were put in gas chambers. So that's also the only one of the concentration camps where people um, were tattooed. They, they started tattooing people's arms at Auschwitz. So you might hear of Holocaust survivors talking about um, the tattoo on their arm that uh, reduced them from a human being to a number that happened at Auschwitz. There were many um, camps around Europe. Auschwitz was the largest, one of the largest. And uh, thus, it's also the most, one of the most well-known. Here in the city of Philadelphia, we have a remarkable number of Holocaust survivors. Of all the places on earth, how does this day resonate particularly here in the Philadelphia area? 
well, I think what you're getting at is that this is actually one of the places that, uh, and it surprised me when I learned about it, that it outside of Israel, outside of the state of Israel, there are probably some of the largest numbers, the, the greatest number of Holocaust survivors in the world in this particular area. Um, and I guess that has to do with, uh, you know, some of the immigration practices after the war and Philadelphia being a, a port city. There are a lot of uh, uh, Holocaust survivors in like a couple of hundred um, survivors in this area, which is amazing, considering that the atrocities didn't even happen in this country. And they spread out then to all parts of the world afterwards, the ones that survived. It's also and also considering just how long ago this occurred as well, that they're that they're still with us and they're still here to tell these stories. You spoke with a few people at Philadelphia's Holocaust Remembrance Foundation about this year's events, and they're also highlighting the LGBTQ community as well. Now, what made them choose to focus on the LGBTQ community? Yeah, well, I spoke with Esther Kutash and Sophie Don. Both of them are with the Philadelphia Holocaust Remembrance Foundation. And this is mostly a holiday. So there are two big Holocaust remembrance uh, kind of commemorative holidays in the year. Uh, this is one of them. It was designated by the United Nations, like I said, in 2005. And this is to commemorate all of the victims. Now, the other uh, Holocaust Remembrance Day is Israeli Holocaust Remembrance Day. That does focus on uh, the Jews that perished, that were killed by the, at the hands of the Nazis. And that um, takes place according to the Jewish calendar. It's usually around April or May. That's a lunar calendar. So it kind of shifts in the year. In general, what we try to do is, given that the uh, United Nations um, commemorative event on January 27th uh, focuses on uh, the broader spectrum of the victims of the Holocaust, we try to uh, promote uh, educational resources and stories uh, that focuses on not on just the Jewish experience, but on the broader experiences uh, throughout the Holocaust. Esther Kutash and Sophie Don uh, were in talks with other people in the LGBTQ community. We're working with PRISM, which is Rodef Shalom's synagogue's um, LGBTQ plus connection group, the J Proud group, which is a program of the Jewish Family and Children's Services of Greater Philadelphia, and William Way LGBT Community Center. Um, and we're going to be doing a program called um, Count Their Names, which is about the persecution of LGBTQ people um, by the Nazis. Two groups did not get compensation for a long time after the war, uh, restitution and compensation, and these groups are the Roma Sinti target group as well as the uh, LGBTQ uh, community. Uh, the Roma and Sinti, uh, so uh, they're commonly known uh, by the general public as gypsies, uh, but we refer to them as Roma and Sinti. So that group, uh, it's persecution, continued uh, after the Second World War, and therefore not until the 1980s uh, was it publicly acknowledged that they should be qualified for restitution and compensation. She also talked about the recent rise in anti-Semitism, particularly here in the United States. Here's what she had to say. Over about the last five years, anti-Semitic incidents more than doubled in the United States. And uh, this seems to be a global problem. So I think uh, this can uh, make us uh, really look back to the early 1930s, uh, where uh, such uh, sentiments uh, started to uh, populate 
public life and where ordinary people who uh, did not necessarily hold uh, hateful views uh, against uh, certain population groups uh, started to be brainwashed by this uh, hateful public opinion being widely uh, uh, spread through propaganda. So in that regard, I think uh, the American society at large needs to be much more uh, aware uh, how similar some of these happenings are to the early 1930s. When you hear Esther talk about that, what's going through your mind and what are your reflections on how the Holocaust resonates today? Well, I mean, we saw it with the Tree of Life murders. We saw it with uh, the recent hostage situation that we just had. And then the New York Times, I believe it was, saying that this was not an act of anti-Semitism, which, you know, this was a person that went specifically into a synagogue. Um, One of the things that Esther was talking about with me was that she was saying how anti-Semitism doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, said in a mean tone or it's very, it can be very insidious. Hate speech is not always obvious. For example, Holocaust distortion uh, is a type of uh, spreading hateful ideologies, and it's rooted in misstating some facts or uh, uh, making it seem uh, more minor, questioning how many uh, victims died in the Holocaust. It can be sometimes presented even in a kind, uh, with a kind tone, uh, without uh, using uh, vile statements or words. Questioning facts of history, that is anti-Semitism, because what happens is, you know, you've heard the you've heard the old slogan, those who do not learn history are doomed to repeat it. The Holocaust didn't start with gas chambers. That's how it ended. It doesn't start that way. It starts with propaganda. It starts with thoughts. It starts with comments. It starts with othering of another group. And so uh, we, we've seen this othering of other groups. We've we've seen, you know, world leaders uh, not just in the United States, but uh, around the world, referring to other groups and kind of dehumanizing them, Jewish people, um, by using terms that are not human, kind of de- desensitizing this idea of like the human experience. And so you start with that and then you get onto propaganda. She also mentioned how it's very much widespread with social media. I think uh, social media uh, has uh, provided to be a very dangerous tool in spreading hateful images. We know that anti-Semitic and racist uh, propaganda and imagery are spreading like wildfire, uh, really, um, on social media at this point. So that's that's one thing that is uh, very relevant. And actually, that's also a parallel uh, to what was happening in the 1930s, where uh, radio usage and then television usage uh, became uh, publicly available and uh, where the the Nazi regime really uh, put a ton of effort in uh, spreading those um, uh, hateful messages uh, through radio and television. And while radio was very well accessible to the general population, not every person could get on the radio, but social media, any person can get on, any person can just widely share some of these, you know, you know misinformation. And that leads to anti-Semitism, which can lead, can end in, um, we've seen it, we've seen murders, like I mentioned, the tree of life, hostage situations. So ideas are not always benign. They can end up with people getting seriously hurt. We do see it where people at times, including elected officials, 
blithely throw around the Holocaust as if they just make some comparison to to so many things out there. We've seen it today, like people talking about not getting vaccinated is like that's what I was getting at to the Holocaust. And that is so disgusting. I cannot even express like that shows a uh, misunderstanding of history, a misunderstanding of of the extreme genocide that took place. The, you mentioned something about social media. The phrase I've always heard about social media is it, it, it tends to help spread lies and lies and get around the world before the truth gets its shoes on. This is one of the reasons why the International Holocaust Remembrance Day is such an important day because the goal is to spread education. And so if you have an educated population that understands how the Holocaust came to be, what happened, what the, the truth of this was, then it's it's easier to spot those mischaracterizations of history. The common thread that I hear from all of these organizations that I speak with um, is education, and they are on a mission to get Holocaust education into every school. Um, I know that actually the Philadelphia School District, they just recently started doing some uh, specific uh, education for their teachers where their teachers actually can get credit for Holocaust uh, education, like Holocaust education credits. And that is so crucial because you want teachers to be able to learn how to teach the Holocaust while they're getting credit for it or getting paid for it. This is not the type of thing that you want them to do when they're, want to ask them to do on their own free time. When I worked in uh, small radio stations in the Midwest, where they did not have Holocaust education. And it's really striking to, to hear people that don't have a background um, kind of not understand the connection between what happened in the 1930s and 40s and some of the propaganda, some of the things that we're hearing going on in the world today. And that's scary. It's 2022. Anybody who lived through the Holocaust right now might be at the youngest in their 80s. Unfortunately, we're going to lose them little by little as we go over the next few years. For one, how can younger generations continue to remember this atrocity and take important lessons from it? And secondarily, we've got this new generation on social media who are either trying to minimize it or deny that people are still out here trying to deny that it happened. As we're losing these people, what can we do to kind of stem that sort of tide as well? It's our responsibility as people who want to not repeat the genocide of that time to seek out that information. There are still Holocaust survivors that are around and doing speeches and talking to people. And yes, you mentioned that they are getting older and they are, they are getting becoming less of them as the years go on. But it is really something to hear a Holocaust survivor tell their story of survival. And for every survivor, there are hundreds of thousands of stories that never got told. Um, and that is the sad part. So there, there's lots of documentation and archiving of these stories of what happened. Um, and there are so many stories. We have documented some of them here on KW News Radio uh, on the you know 75th uh, anniversary of the liberation of Auschwitz. We went and spoke with some Holocaust survivors. That was uh, two years ago. There are um, organizations. There is the Holocaust Awareness Museum and Education Center in Northeast Philadelphia. We mentioned the Philadelphia Holocaust Remembrance Foundation. There are 
organizations that are dedicated to uh, documenting what happened right here in Philadelphia. You can go and uh, go to the Northeast Philadelphia and see actual artifacts from the Holocaust. And it's, it's amazing. It's like a small space, but it's incredible what they have there. Um, talk to people as much as you can. You can also just Google talks from Holocaust survivors. Um, I think Holocaust deniers and, you know, uh, Esther Kutash, Sophie Don, other people that work in uh, Holocaust education will tell you that that's like the worst type of anti-Semitism because all of these uh, aging Holocaust survivors pass away. When you look back at history and you think, okay, did this really happen? It's such an atrocious, it's like so crazy that your mind can't like, grasp what happened and then you have another point of view that is questioning that and there are no more people left alive to talk about it then you think well was it really as bad as it seemed the answer is yes right but the the whole point is to sow doubt and to and to question that and that's not good for anybody because it might not be the jewish people next time it might be another group it might be your group whatever group that is which brings us back to the program why they're the Philadelphia Holocaust Remembrance Foundation is focusing on the LGBTQ plight. And how can people participate in those memorial events that are being hosted by the Philadelphia Holocaust Remembrance Foundation? So they are doing that through Zoom on Holocaust Remembrance Day, which is the 27th. There is a link through Road of Shalom Synagogue. And you can also find that on our website that's going to be up um, for people to register and to kind of log in. Uh, they're gonna talk about uh, what happened with the LGBTQ community. Now, what's interesting that Sophie Don was talking about, and I think this is so fascinating, that she was saying that um, in the 1930s, in the early 30s, there was a, a thriving population. And uh, you know that because there were people that created safe spaces for the LGBTQ community. As far as I understand, there was not much persecution before the war in Germany. Like there's an individual that we have spoken about before, um, Magnus Hirschfeld, who was a researcher and worked with the Berlin police um, to create safe spaces for um, transgender people in the city. You know, when the, the war started, uh, the Anti-Gay Law Act 175 um, they arrested about 100,000 homosexual men between 1933 to 1945. The war was over in 1945, but the law remained in place. So between 1949 and 1969, they continued to arrest about the same amount of gay men under that same law. So you think about the discriminations that continued to be in place even after the war. That's part of it. That's, that's uh, part of like what they want to bring attention to is the the injustices that continued even after people knew about it and uh, the atrocities against these other people that don't typically get uh, the attention but were also victims of the Nazis as much as the six million Jews were. Hadass, thank you so much for sharing this really important story and helping to enlighten people like me. She covers a lot and she does a lot of great stuff for us. How can people follow the work you're doing and and learn more about what you've got going on. Thanks, Jay. Check me out on Twitter, at Hadas Kuznets. There's also a, uh, a food Instagram called um, Food in the 215. 
And The Rundown is a production of KYW News Radio Original Podcast. The show is produced by Sabrina Boyd Serka and Brian Seltzer. The director of podcasting for KYW News Radio is Tom Rickard. I'm Jay Scott Smith. You can follow me on Twitter at Jay Scott Smith. That's real Jay Scott Smith on Instagram and Facebook. And you can hear me every afternoon on KYW News Radio starting at 3 p.m. for Philadelphia's Afternoon News. Be sure to follow The Rundown on Twitter at The Rundown, PHL. Again, that's The Rundown, PHL. Listen for free right here on the Odyssey app or just about wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jay Scott Smith thanking you for checking out this edition of The Rundown. <laughs>